0: Yeah? I'm going to read the Bible, if that's okay to get this started and to make it official. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Thanks, Nick. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, yeah. looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, yeah. who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising all shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Come on. Come on. So Paul was writing this uh, in, in um, actually, I don't exactly know if it's Paul, in the, Paul who wrote Hebrews? I'm going to go with not. I don't think I don't think it's actually Paul. But anyway, he was actually alluding to the fact that, hey, listen, there is something ahead of us that we're all heading to, and everyone is watching. And if we press on, we're going to get there. You know what I'm saying? And so, listen, this morning, I want to talk to you about the mission of Momentum. So this entire month, we've been talking about Momentum. That's been our series. We started. How many of you guys remember the first time, uh, the first message of Momentum, how you guys were here? Pastors, they preached it, so gonna, they got to remember it. Um, the first one was the moment of momentum, and that means that basically every move of God started with a moment, whether that's in your life individually or the move of God globally, it all started with one moment. Yeah. The next uh, series after that, sorry, the next installment after that was the mindset of momentum and how to have the right perspective and posture your heart correctly to live a continual life of momentum. And three was uh, the mystery of momentum, and that sometimes, that described the the fact that sometimes, sorry, momentum doesn't look like rapid pace, like you're always moving forward, and Allie made this description where it's like pulling back an arrow, and sometimes in that pullback, you feel a lot of tension, you feel a lot of pressure, but in fact, you're still in momentum, and you're still in the purposes of God. And so, as I was journeying with God this week, trying to figure out, okay, God will well, what what do you want us? To, what do you want me to say? And how do you want me to communicate to your your kids? And and so I really felt strongly that the mission of Momentum was what we needed to talk about. What's the reason behind we're do what we're doing? And what's the reason behind why God takes you on this journey that sometimes is a little bit crazy? And and what does it actually mean? And what's the purpose of that? So we're going to dive into that uh, as best as we know how, and uh, hopefully. Uh, we get something good out of that. Is that all right? Is that okay? Okay. Awesome. Let's pray to uh, invite the Holy Spirit as he is already here, but at least bring him to my consciousness so we can fully uh, have a blast while, while doing all this. Is that all right? Yeah. Jesus. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness, and for your grace, Lord. God, thank you so much that you've been here, that you've prepared the place for us. God, thank you, God, so much for baptism. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do and how faithful you are to our process and how faithful you are to every single detail of our life. God, we honor you and we thank you. Jesus, thank you for being here and for speaking to us. God, open up our eyes, open up our ears and turn our affection and our attention on you, Jesus. We want to have life in your ways. So God... Bless this time. In your son's incredible name we pray. Amen. 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 Wonderful. Hey, so uh, I used to have this Bible um, called the New, Be- no, the New Beginners or the Beginner's Bible. Yeah. And when you're a kid, I'm not sure if you, it's just, it's usually in white. At least it was then in the, in the 90, early 1990s when I was born. Bless the lamb. Um, so, like this, this white book I remember it was really big, and it was probably one of my first books. And all the, the figures in there look like bubbles. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's just it's the most funniest thing. I wish I had a picture of it so I can show you. But anyway, um, I used to read this Bible with a lot of fervor when I was a kid. I was maybe like four, five, six, seven, however old you are when you're reading, you're starting to read. Um, normally, I guess four, wonderful. Um, I was prodigy, so it was probably like two years old. But uh, um, that's besides the point. Bless God. Um, so I'm reading this book. Just kidding. My son's gonna be a prodigy though in the name of Jesus. So uh, I don't have a wife yet. So just throwing that out there. Um, when it comes, when the Lord blesses it and it's under covenant. Amen. Spring 2018. Bless. The, bless God. Anyway, listen. So you guys are getting me really excited here, folks. It's really my fault. Um, so what happens is that when I read this Bible, I remember, I think at a young age, what happened was that the Bible became a story to me. Like, it wasn't just text to read. It was actually giving life. And it was, there was people that I could relate to, maybe because they were all bubbly. And I was just like, oh, you know, I can see myself as this person. Or I don't know how that all happened. But when I read the Bible all throughout the New Old Testament and the New Testament, like, I, I grew with the, with the actual desire to read. What was happening? And these stories actually, they, they, they breathed life into me. So as I remember this happening, um, I think it actually set a, a tone for my, the rest of my Christian career, rather, of reading the Bible and actually seeing it as a complete story. What God did with one person kind of like fumbled into what God did with this person, which fumbled into what did it like. It continually had like an an effect, cause and effect, a cause and effect, a cause and effect. And everything that we see in the Old Testament, every story that we see kind of like segues into the next. Do you guys kind of agree with that? So what happened was that I began to see, like, the story of Adam, the story of uh, Noah, the story of Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and, and you know, the Joshua's the Calebs, and all the, and the entire figures of the Old Testament. I began to see it's like, well, what this person started as a result of, like, is, sorry, is led the way or segued into this, which segued into this. So I'm like, this is all connected. And we have this term when we talk about God. He said He's a multi-generational God, yeah. and a lot of us might not understand that. Although He 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 deals with families and He deals with generations, but one of the things that I've found is that the reason He's multi-generational is because every act out, every act carried out by a specific generation will directly impact the next. Yeah. Yeah. Is it not? And so that's part of the reason why I'm just like, okay, well, God continuously acts. in. I'm laying down the platform for me, if that's okay. Like, just kind of laying down the foundation so we can build from there, if that's all right. Just bear with me. And so what happens is that as I read the Old Testament, I find I'm like, all the people in the Bible, all these, these patriarchs, the people, the, 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 the fathers and the women, fathers and mothers of the faith, all of them made the history book because of one thing. They heard the voice of God or saw it or were impressed by it and radically obeyed beyond what they saw or heard. And all of a sudden, out of faith, they stepped out and made history with God. And now we have a Bible full of people who essentially, and all it is, is a history of God relating to people who have chosen to believe God at his word. And now all we have now. I mean, we have a a written Bible, but we are continually carrying out the Bible as we listen to the voice of God and continue to move forward, as we listen to him and continue to actually make history. What started off with Adam and continued through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way through Jesus, and now us, started off somewhere. Now we are the fruit of the momentum that God started in the past. Multi-generational, yes. Also, the acts that they did continue to carry on and now gives us faith to move forward. Amen? So we continue to be the story behind God. One of the things that I want to take your attention to is um, the actual equation of momentum. So momentum is, scientifically speaking, it's P equals MV squared. P equals MV squared. Squared. Yeah, thanks. Um, Again, prodigy. Um, So, what happens is that P equals, for some reason, it equals momentum, but uh, M is mass. V is velocity. And velocity squared is when a certain mass hits velocity and continues to hit velocity velocity and velocity and velocity and velocity. And then you have momentum. Basic enough, simple enough, right, to understand. Now, in my understanding in, in developing this message and what God was giving to me, I, I got a kind of an understanding for this in what it means to, in our spiritual lives. Momentum in our lives, number one, is God-ordained. I believe that God has, from the get-go of your life, wanting to for you to live in a process of momentum. So it's God-ordained, but for me, M, mass, equals U. We are mass, literally, physically. We are, you know, scientifically mass. Also... We are, uh, the more mass, the more people, okay? So, again, I'm just laying down the foundation, movement. I'm sorry, mass times velocity. Now, velocity for me, and what I understood in this process is that velocity is radical obedience to the word of God. And, And what I mean by word of God, I don't mean necessarily the Bible, or I mean the words that he speaks out of his mouth into your soul. Okay? And and of course the Bible is, is also incredible and that's the Lord speaks for that all the time. However, mass multiplied by, brought together by hearing the voice of God, that that, that voice, radically obeying that, will continually provide momentum in our lives. Okay? Cool. Now now that we got that settled, now I'm gonna start preaching, okay? For real. Okay. Do you guys remember a man called Moses in the Bible? So Exodus, right? We have this man. Let me give you some context on Moses. Moses uh, was born and raised in Egypt and had zero context for one God. Okay? Egypt was raised raised in essentially believing that there are many gods and that all of them were were based in things that, that they can touch. So they were all pharaohs. The pharaohs were linked to divinity, and, and this was what they were raised in. Essentially, Moses grew up thinking that there were gods all around them, and, in a matter of fact, one of his dads was wow. a god. Wow. So he grew up with this paradigm, wealthy, incredibly rich, and essentially whatever, like he was royalty, in the most powerful kingdom right. Right. on the face of the earth at that time. Right. Okay? Right. So here we have Moses, god's, God... Um, you know, through a series of events, he finds himself exiled um, in the land of Midian, which is, who knows where Midian is? Nobody. Um, so he's out He's out in Midian, and um, that's funny. You know, the things that you won't think that people are going to laugh at, they laugh at. So they're just like, oh, sweet, let's go with that. So he finds himself out in Midian tending to sheep, um, and so what what happens is, He's invited into an encounter with God. Now, there is a, how many of you guys remember the burning bush, right? First of all, how many of you guys are going back to, like, the Prince of Egypt movie right now? and You can see it. That's right. I'm with you guys. That's me too. So here we have this, this burning bush that is absolutely mysterious. And the fact that God presents himself as a burning, flaming fire that has no burn Blows my mind just because it's no form. For him, it's always been tangible. Gods have always been tangible, and there have been many. This God presents himself as a flame which has no form and can wow. speak to him from a bush and also can fly, like, can move away from the bush, just like that. So this is, has to be blown his mind, okay? So he's talking to this burning bush, and it's God, and God invites him, says, Hey, listen, Moses, I have something for you, and you're going to liberate my people out of Israel, as, out of Egypt. Yeah. Moses has the audacity and the option. God speaks to him through a burning bush, a context which he has no idea for, speaks to him. And then what does he have in his options? Either one, he chooses to believe that that's God, that this flaming bush is God, or two, he's crazy and he should leave. Moses chooses the better of the two. He chooses to believe that this is God and that God is telling him, Hey, listen, I am the, not the many gods, but I'm the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm commissioning you to go into Egypt and free my people. In that moment, Moses chooses to enact faith to believe that that is God and to move forward at the word that he just received. Which then... He goes up to, number one, the most powerful empire at that time. Goes up to the, 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 uh, the Pharaoh and says, hey, listen, God has spoken to me, not your God or not even you, because you consider yourself divinity. The God of Israel and the God of all gods has come to me and told me to tell you to free his people. Wow. <coughs> come on. And then not only that, but then he moves forward on the next time and he says, okay, well, you haven't believed now by faith. God is going to bring plagues to Egypt. And we all know the story. Uh, Pharaoh's heart gets um, softened up a little bit. It breaks, and then he lets his people go. And then fast forward to what Moses was doing next. And then he faces himself before the Red Sea. And in this Red Sea, he is faced by the impossible task of splitting physical matter, essentially, putting a staff in the water. I don't know exactly how, to know how that happened. Yes, it actually was that. Uh, and then so what happened was the Red Sea split. And so here we have a series of events that initially started with one thing. With hearing the voice of God, although inconvenient and potentially Confusing, listened to the voice of God and made a radical step forward to believe that that was God, which then avalanched by momentum, turned into this next step by facing Pharaoh and the most powerful armies, by the plagues, by the Red Sea. If we look back, the reason why he had the faith to split the sea was because he listened to the bush you understand what i'm saying here's what happens when you choose to believe in radical faith that god is speaking one of t- one, three things one when you believe the burning bush you get the faith to propel you to the next thing so it automatically supernaturally brings you into the next phase into the next season so boom i've believed in the burning bush what happens next Next, once you're here, because you've believed in the burning bush, then you're able to have the faith that God's going to get you to the next place. Because you're thinking, if God spoke to me here and now I'm here, it's because he is faithful. And so what ends up happening is that you begin to move to the next thing because of the burning bush. So not only, not one, does it propel you to the next season, but also gives you faith for the next obstacle. And now here's the third thing. The third thing is, Because he told you to go somewhere, tells me that God has a direction for my life. Three things. Three things. When God speaks, it propels me to the next stage, and it gives me faith for even the next obstacle. And not only that, it reminds me, well, if God's telling me to go somewhere, then I'm headed somewhere. People, I'm here, church, I'm here to tell you that if God has told you something, number one, he's going to take you to the next level. Number two, he's going to give you the the faith for the next step. And three, he's leading you somewhere. We have to choose to believe in this moment. This one right here. God, you've spoken, haven't you not? Listen, I'm going to be personal for a second. When I moved out to Nashville, God's like, hey, move out. And I'm like, God, what are you talking about? I have the beach just right next to me. I'm in Los Angeles. Are you crazy? And God spoke. I can feel it in my chest. And I'm like, and what's, what's funny is that it kind of felt like a burning bush moment because I wasn't fully sure if it was God. How many of you guys know that God kind of hides himself in mystery sometimes? Sometimes it's not blatantly obvious, and sometimes it's not, Hey, Asaph, move to Nashville. Me, God, I love you. Bye. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Some, like God is in this, bu- in, in this burning bush scenario where he's just like, hey. And he doesn't do that. I don't know. He, the Bible says he dances, so that could be a thing. So he can be like, hey, Asaph, go to Nashville. Or hey, don't you have like an inkling in your heart? To to leave, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I don't know. I don't even know if that's righteous. I like I, maybe I'm supposed to stay here. Well, what's in your heart? Don't you have an, a, 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 something that inside of you that you want to explore? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, scenarios, situations place themselves in the perfect order for you to see Nashville as a location, a possible location for you to go. And then all of a sudden, I am then believing that this burning bush moment where he is kind of in the ambiguity in and, and, and the mystery of it all, listen, the Bible says that it is the glory of kings to, sorry it is the glory of God to hide a matter, and it is the glory of kings to search it out. There's things that God has in hiding for you that you will only be able to access if you believe it's God. So listen. So in this moment where he's like, go to Nashville, I'm just like, okay, God, I'm believing that. And then all of a sudden, I moved to Nashville, and I'm like, okay, God, well, here's what I have. I had like $600 to my name when I moved here. This is not a joke. And I'm like, okay, well. And listen, and there, that's more money than some people have sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So glory to God for that. And so I'm like sitting here, I'm like, okay, God, what's next? And I have a place to stay for only two weeks. And I'm like, okay, God, if this is you... So be it. And so what happened is that once I'm here, because I believe that it was God, now I have the faith, okay, well, God, you brought me out here. Now, I believe that for the next phase, I'm going to have, like, because you brought me out here, I can move forward. What's next? Not only did faith allow me to go here, moving into my destiny, then faith then allowed me to have the faith to go to the next level. And then once I go to the next level, once I'm, you know, In community, people like, I feel like God's moving all over in in the season. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, well, if God told me to come to Nashville, then that means He has a purpose for me. Then that means there's destiny. So let me tell you something, church. When He says to go somewhere, there is destiny on His words. Literally, when God speaks, there is a seed. The Bible says there is sperma. Without being too graphic, it is the seed of God. So the moment he says something to you, in his voice carries the seed. In the same way that he said, let there be light, right. yep. there's creation in his, mouth, in his mouth. So when he said, let there be, he literally spoke at a frequency so loud that light was created. So in every time I'm allowed to believe it, what's in the Bible, am I not? Yeah. I'm allowed to believe that when he speaks, it says, Come on. it's going to happen. When he speaks, he creates a runway for you. I like to put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he says something, he creates a way where there is none. And he lays out a platform that if you begin to step on it in radical obedience to God, then you begin to move in the supernatural momentum of God. Yes. Yes. Amen. Good. Yeah. Church, I, I really do feel like God is inviting us into this moment here. Into the moment of, I don't even know if it's you, God, but I'm gonna to choose to believe. Yes, or, yes. God, I already had yes. my burning bush moment. Yeah, yeah. And if you showed me that moment, then number one, I'm here now, and you're gonna be faithful to the next, and also, you're carrying me somewhere. Yeah. You're leading me somewhere. Is that all right? Yeah. One of the things that the enemy likes to do in the midst of that is listen, once, I'll put that on hold for a second, I'm sorry. Once you begin to move in the supernatural rhythms of grace, and the supernatural rhythm of momentum, all of a sudden you begin to walk, you begin to walk, and guess what happens? You begin to build a faith, because there's history with God, you begin to build a faith inside you, because he's been faithful here, he's been faithful here, he's been faithful here, so you begin to look at the history behind you and say, oh my gosh, look how far I've come. Then that means that he has direction for me, and that means that I can continue to go, because he's going to continue to sustain me as I move in supernatural rhythm so as you begin to walk, you can clap if you want. And so as you begin to walk, what happens is that history with God will birth inside you an appetite. Because you're like, if God has been faithful here, yeah, there's been moments of wilderness. I'll get to that in a second. There's been moments of wilderness, but if he's, if he's been here then he's going to be here. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm believing to move in the direction of God's calling, then I'm going to continue to walk, continue to walk, and guess what happens? This whole history becomes the platform in which you move forward and see. Yeah. Yeah. Get this. That's right. That's right. Every time you follow the Lord and you, you follow his radical, sorry, his voice in radical obedience, in obedience. The reason I say radical, by the way, is because sometimes it's crazy. Like, like how you know God is in your equation and if it's not even doable by human standards. Okay? So he begins to call you out, and you're moving forward. And then at some point, if God has done all this, and he's leading me somewhere, and you begin to rationalize in your mind and in your heart something begins to happen, and what happens is that after radical obedience will come an appetite for the impossible. Like, it'll, it'll naturally, it's like the food that God will give you is his word, okay? So if I can, if, I can, if you're visual, I'm all like super visual. So God speaks, and it's food, right? So if you eat it, it will actually create within you an appetite for the more. In the physical world, right, for example, right now I'm hungry, and I ate a chewy earlier. It satisfied me a little bit, a little, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> it satisfied me a little bit. And, it, you know, I'm like, okay, I can last a little longer. <laughs> have my laugh crowd over there. They're amazing. Um, what happens is that in the spirit, if I eat, if I devour the words that God is delivering to me, what it does is in the food, it's a seed, remember? So in the seed, it actually begins to birth something. That creates an appetite for more. The more I eat in the kingdom, the hungrier I get. In the kingdom, when God deposits something, I'm like, oh, man, this is so good, so good, so good. And all of a sudden, it creates an appetite for, i got to have more. That's just how it works in the kingdom. And so what happens is that impossibilities no longer seem like this crazy wild idea because you've been... Walking through impossibilities for so long, or rather, walking through the smaller steps to get you now that it's all of a sudden like God has built in you the courage and the wind on your back to say, actually, what's in front of me, God, we can do it together. Something that the enemy likes to do is actually draw a line in front of you and tell you, hey, listen, this is how much you're allowed to imagine. This is how long, sorry, this is how far you're allowed to think. Because get this if the enemy allows you or provides for you a, a a fence to believe in, then he no longer has to worry about impossibilities bowing to the name of Jesus wow. there's two kingdoms at work right yep. I'm the kingdom of light and there's a kingdom of darkness that some for somehow number there's gosh I can go into so much here but um, the point is, is that so funny because you can open up a can of worms and then keep going and I I don't have much time for that. One sec. The enemy wants us to get focus. Sorry. The enemy wants to get to focus, get our focus outside of the supernatural realm so that faith and impossibility are outside of your reach. Momentum actually lies within the realm of impossibility. You get that? So it's like, The enemy's like, well, this is your line right here. And why does he want to do that? Because he knows that God's plan and his ultimate fulfillment is right here. But if we stay here, we will taste and enjoy, but we won't actually be living in a supernatural rhythm and a supernatural momentum. And a lot of times, I'll I'll, I'll be honest with you folks, I'm going to be real for a second. Wisdom masquerades itself, but it's ultimately fear. Fear will masquerade itself as wisdom and think like, oh, it's okay. Here's what's possible. Here's what's rational. It's going to be okay. Like right here is fine. I'm comfortable. I'm real good right here. And God's like, can we move forward? Trust me, I got something incredible for you. He's like, oh, it's right here. It's like, no, you know what? Like, let's be safe. Let's Let's be okay with this. I feel content and satisfied in God. Cool. That's awesome. However, the dreams that God has for you are far beyond your reach sometimes. And it's purposeful. Because the moment you stretch outside of what's possible, then you create the space for God to move and God to work. God can't work in a, in a cup that's already full. The nature of momentum is that God is taking us through our choices. If God is taking us through our choices, then we must believe that he will take care of us. It's offensive to believe otherwise. It's offensive to believe that God will take us somewhere where he won't cover you. And he will shame you or he will forsake you. It's like, my dad is incredible. I was blessed by an incredible dad. And, and mom, obviously, um, because behind every incredible man is a is a woman, right? That's why I plan to find one. Amen, Jesus. <laughs> Found one. Um, that wasn't an invitation, by the way. I'm saying a lot of inappropriate stuff today. Bless, bless God. Yeah, true. I have a girlfriend, and she's wonderful, and she's moving in May. God bless Jesus. Hey, awesome. So let me finish with this. Um, We have this irrational idea that where God is leading us, number one, is going to be like, oh, it's going to be amazing, right? But then we have the fear associated with risk that we don't want to get there. And we're just like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, what if he doesn't? Not even We don't even think that way because we don't ver- ver- verbalize it that way. Because if we did verbalize it, we would take the step, right? But we're just like, oh, my gosh, it's so tough to, to, to move forward. Or it's, it's so tough to like, like what if, what if we do this and all of a sudden this negative outcome happens? And like we can lose the house or we won't be able to provide for our kids. Or it's usually tied to a lot of that. Like, you know, I, I won't be able to fulfill my destiny. All of a sudden a bunch of fear steps in. And then it allows, and it, then what fear does is it, it cuts the space of what's possible, and then you're no longer able to step forward. But here's the thing. We have this irrational idea associated with fear that if we step out, then God won't take care of us to the place that he's inviting us into. Like, my own dad won't ever tell me to come out to a place where he's not going to take care of me. When, he, when I was a kid, he's like, you know, say a, a pool illustration where he's just like, hey, come out here. He's like, we're over here fearing for, fear. like, no, I don't want to go, right? right? And it's like, we're kids, but we don't know any better. We're still kids and we don't need better. It's like we think that when God is bringing us to a new location or a new place or a place where it could cause us a ton of discomfort, all of a sudden that he's not going to take care of us. And all of a sudden that he's going to abandon us. It's as if we literally believe that he's going to bring us out to the deep end of the pool and let us drown. How offensive is that to a good dad? If I were to ever tell my dad, like, Dad, I don't know if you're going to take care of me. God, if you're inviting me out here, I don't even know if you're going to actually, like, what if you let me go? And God's like, are you kidding me? Like, what are we thinking here? I think it's offensive to believe that God, in his faithfulness, if he calls himself faithful, is going to invite you to a place where you're no longer going to be covered. Listen, God's plan for you lies outside of what you feel is comfortable. And when you step out of what's outside of what's comfortable, He will cover you. What God began, He never intended to stop in you. There is no time that is lost, there is no time that cannot be redeemed. He didn't fall off the face. of As a matter of fact, you didn't fall off his, the face of his earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's too big. You can't fail him. He's faithful. No matter what season of your life you're in, whether you've had an encounter with God or you haven't, or you're hungry for one, or you even know what I'm talking about. Listen, God is closer than your very skin. God started in the garden through Jesus and now us never intended to have an end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I used to read that Bible, <clears throat> the white one with the, the, the bubbles, and it's the, the beginner's Bible, I remember, my parents would always tell me, and I remember this, but they'd always tell me that I'd always start whenever I'd read a Bible story, because they're in stories. I'd always start, like no matter if I was reading Abraham or Samson or whatever story, Bible story, I'd always start with the back. I'd always start reading that one first. Because the first, sorry, the last um, story was a story of John in the island of Patmos, essentially the book of Revelation. Of course, they're not going to talk about like dragons and all the, you know, illustrations and the analogies in Revelation. They just talked about that. And I remember the story. It said, and John was on the island of Patmos talking to God. And then God revealed himself. And and then there's angels who, who, who sounded trumpets and said, behold, the Lamb of God who sits on the throne. And then this beautiful picture, I remember I loved it. And I remember like, I think I might've torn torn it out, put it on my next Bible. No lie, this is a real thing. And I remember John's response said, yes, Lord Jesus, come. And I remember I was, I don't know why. And it almost made no sense to me. Like just, it did something in my soul. And I think, Foundation in my life to believe this: that in the end of all things, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. In the Revelation, now let's let's move over to the big Bible, the Big People Bible. In Revelation, it says he is the Alpha and the Omega. Which means it started with him, and it's what? It's going to end with him. And in this entire process, he is not going to abandon his people. If it starts with him and it ends with him, is he not responsible for our outcome? in our minds that's like, well, what if it doesn't work out well? Well, listen, the Bible says that he is the alpha and the omega and the verse that we started off saying he is the author and he is the finisher. So that means that in the end, we all win. And here's why that's important. When God calls us and when God gives us instruction and we step forward in obedience that sometimes sounds impossible when we step out in that obedience. Here's what happens. Number one, we satisfy our destiny as individuals, one thing, but then secondly, and more importantly, the plan of God is established on the earth. The mission of momentum is simple. What's the goal? What does God want to do on the earth? And that is something that Jesus prayed. It says, on earth as it is in heaven. That's the goal. We want earth to look like that, beautiful. And that's God's plan for the entire earth. That's his plan. That's his heart behind. That's the beating drum behind his heart. He wants to make this place his home. So when he calls us and asks us, To make steps in radical obedience to Him, we are satisfying our destiny, but more so, we are accomplishing His purposes for the world. And that's the reason why the enemy wants to work against that idea, because not only one, not only does He stifle your plan or God's plan for your life, but He stifles God's plan for the entire earth. The fact that God chooses the transformation of the world through us yeah, yeah. Yeah. Does it at all make sense to you? Our story is not ours. History, past and present and the future are all his story. Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. All of it is his. It's so important that we have these moments—the burning bush moments—because if we obey those moments, and guess what happens? The three things. I just want to remind you because it's just so important. As one, it propels you forward. Two, it gives you the faith to move to the next obstacle. And three, it reminds you and brings to your memory that God has taken you to a direction. And if God is taking you on a direction, then that means two things. One, you will satisfy your destiny if you continue to live in radical momentum, which means you continue to obey Him at His word. And two, God's plan for the entire world through you will be satisfied. And justice... After the burning bush, after he freed Israel, after the Red Sea, so all of the momentum and what God was doing on the earth in his story, developing this beautiful grand story, he ended up in the wilderness. How many of you guys know the wilderness was still part of momentum? And if you're in the wilderness in this church right now, I want you to remember and recall this moment here. The burning bush experience. God told you because He's taking you to ultimately satisfy your destiny, but really satisfy the purposes of God on this planet. You're part of a grand story. Oh, it's beautiful! It's so beautiful. That's probably the third or fourth time I've said that, and I am sorry. And this was written by an archbishop in, in I think he was in Argentina or El Salvador, but I want you to, want you to pay attention to this. Check it out. It's, he says, It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it's beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing that we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we're about, though. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold a future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there's a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something, however, and do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is a difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders. Ministers, not messiahs. We are the prophets of a future that isn't our own. There's this picture. Bill Johnson says this. He uh, he says it's like God brings you to the pinnacle of a mountain. And the way I like to put it, in my own words, is: Do you guys remember The Lion King? Yeah. yeah. And what's funny is that um, Jared has a shirt, a Lion King shirt, which immediately brought it to my memory, and I feel like I needed to share this before, I, like I saw you walk in, and I was like. I think think that's God. And so get this. God brings you to the pinnacle of a mountain. Like Mo sorry like Mufasa did with Simba in the morning. He wakes his dad up and he brings him out and he says Mufasa says in, you know, the James Earl Jones voice. The James Earl's Earl Jones voice. He's incredible. He says, "Son, everything the light touches is your kingdom." And so Simba he has one of two options to to stand at the pinnacle and say ah that's all mine and then begin to declare and proclaim that all of it is his why would he begin to proclaim and declare that anything is his if it's already his in the first place revelation will reveal something but but faith will allow you to enter into revelation and explore it all does that make sense It's like God is showing this grand idea of what you have ahead of you and all of this is yours. But faith and the activation of belief in that word is what's gonna take you out to explore and to actually reach far above and beyond what you can do in a normal lifetime. Amen. Put your hands on your chest and I'm gonna pray for you. Jesus, Thank you can repeat with me, Jesus. Thank you for our burning bush experience. God give us courage to believe you at your word, to fulfill our destiny, but ultimately, to fulfill your plans for the earth. Thank you, God, that you lead us, and you're a better you're a better leader than we are followers. God, we trust you and your Son's incredible name. Amen.
1: Of a round of applause again. Thank you. That was a good word. Yeah. And uh, the first service after, um, I felt like God was saying, um, kind of to go with that, was to that what we needed to do was get our hopes up. I felt like God was saying, increase your hopes. You need to actually hope, and you need to believe in this because it's so often that we hear these kind of words and then um, from there we get faced with the enemy coming against us and showing us the impossible, showing us all of those things like he said that puts like you can't know that's impossible or just anything that looks the opposite of what he's been saying. And I felt like God was saying, no, we need to get our hopes up to believe what this word says and then it's going to happen. The momentum is happening and not to be discouraged. Um, I mean, even this week, Um, earlier in this past week, I had like had this moment with God and it was like a a momentum moment, you know, it was like, this is, it it was pretty strong and was breakthrough. And the very next day, I encountered something that said the total opposite. And in that moment, I felt like God was saying like, no, yesterday I actually started something and you don't actually get to partner with the enemy on this and believe that what I said yesterday isn't true because it's already happening. I said something to you and it's happening already. And I feel like that's what this sermon series has been about. It's this this place and this, we're in this place in our community and in this church family that we're in momentum right now and he's already moving it. It's, it's, it's a, there's something on this moment. There's something on this sermon series and that God started something. Um, both individ- like in our lives individually and corporately as a body. And he's already, he, we're, we're partnering with him by saying momentum, but he's already doing it. And I feel like our response is, get your hopes up. Don't let the enemy tell you something that counteracts what I'm saying in this. And I'm saying, I'm moving. This is the momentum. So just increase your hopes in that. Go ahead and just say, like, I'm going to hope for the impossible. I'm going to hope for everything that doesn't actually look like what can be, I'm saying yes, and I need you to believe yes, and every time you're faced with the opposite of that, that you get to say, tell the enemy, you don't have power. You don't have power in this, and what you say is not true, because what God said in this moment is yes. So anyway, that's my word to you all, encouragement with this, Um, so just take that with you as you go, and for as far as this week come out on Wednesday. Wednesday is team night. You want to be there. If you serve, we want you there. If you're not serving currently, come anyway, because we want to see you, and we want to hang out with you, and it's amazing. And then um, also, if you're interested in a dinner party, um, and if you don't know what dinner parties is, either way, come find me. We'd love to get you plugged in. So thanks so much, and have a great week. And we have a ministry team down here, so if you want prayer, come and get it.